to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. You know, uh, we've been talking the last several weeks about the Spirit-filled life, and we've talk, been talking specifically about, and I, and I hope that you've picked this up, that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves, that apart from the power of the Spirit of God, apart from abiding in Jesus Christ, uh, we cannot do anything that has permanent, eternal impact. God hates the garment that is spotted by the flesh. And uh, we just don't have anything to offer. Paul said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells nothing Good, And he's not comparing himself with other people when he says that, but with God's standard, which is Jesus Christ. And yet, there is a work that we can do. It is the primary work of the church, and that work is prayer. Prayer is not something that we do to accomplish ourselves, but prayer is that conscious appeal to God to take action, to invite Him into the process, to have conversation with Him. Uh, prayer is not just asking, it is talking. Uh, it doesn't have to use a special language, and it doesn't have to use a special posture. It's merely having a conversation with God. And yet, there are times when that prayer may be very spontaneous, very uh, casual, kind of off the cuff, just like you would turn to someone you're riding with and make a comment. Uh, and then there are times when, uh, in a protracted um, waiting upon the Lord, you are seeking Him for some uh, accomplishment of work or some revelation of His will. But prayer is the primary work of the church. Armin Gesswein said, and you may get tired of hearing me quote this, but I want you all to be able to quote it when I finish quoting it. <laughs> I want it to stick. Armin Gesswein said, Until you have prayed, you can do nothing. But once you have prayed... There is nothing you cannot do. We are in that position that until we have prayed and invited the power of God to be in operation within whatever is concerning us, we're powerless. But once we have prayed and committed a thing to the Lord, there is nothing that is impossible with God. In Luke chapter 18, uh, Jesus tells them a parable. And the reason he tells this parable, Luke says, is to show that at all times we ought to pray and not to lose heart. And he talks about um, this judge uh, who did not fear God and did not fear man. In other words... <laughs> He was a secularist and quite independent. 
whatever he wanted to do is what he did, and he didn't care who thought what, and he didn't even uh, give any acknowledgement of God. So he was about as hard a character as you'd hope to find. And there was a widow who needed his help, and he didn't want to be bothered with her. And uh, she came to him and asked him to intervene uh, in a situation she had at law, and he just didn't care. Uh, He got tired of hearing her. And then eventually, she persisted so much, she continued to seek him out. Uh, Everywhere he turned, he probably ran into her in the market. Uh, he, He probably ran into her in the public buildings. He probably encountered her outside of his office as she was Uh, Once again, they were relaying to him that she's out here, that lady is out here waiting to talk to you again, you know. And he soon came to the conclusion that if he didn't answer her request, she was going to wear him out. And so he relented of his stubbornness and decided to give her what she wanted. Now, Jesus tells this story with respect to prayer. But he quickly lets us know that God is not like this unjust judge. If you look down in Luke chapter 18 uh, for a little bit, um, in verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? There's a couple of things that stand out here to me. First of all, there's a contrast between God and this unjust judge. God is listening and attentive to his loved ones. We don't have to worry about uh, him turning a deaf ear to us or saying, come back tomorrow uh, or don't bother me anymore. That's not God's nature. God is tuned into us. He is attentive to our need. He, he is listening for every whisper and cry that we offer. But in the same sense, Notice that the scripture says, will he delay long over those who cry to him day and night? There is still some persistence required in prayer. That as we pray, simply uh, uh, mumbling a, a short sentence toward God does not always result in a response. In some senses, I think God wonders sometimes, how badly do you care? How much are you interested? How significant is this thing to you? Uh, In another uh, sense, um, there are things that we need to understand in order to refine our praying. And so still, even though God is ready to respond to us, oftentimes we find that we have to pray persistently. And yet, Jesus raises the question, um, when the Son of Man comes, 
will he find faith on the earth? And I think that he ends this parable, this story, with this question that is posed for us, sort of a rhetorical question that makes us ask, wherein lies the real problem in answer to prayer? If we are not getting what we're asking, what is going on that is causing the disconnect? And could it be that the problem is lack of faith? And Jesus says, by the end of the age, when the Son of Man comes back, will he even find faith on the earth? Will there be people who look to him and trust him to do what he says he will do? Paul says, pray without ceasing. You know, prayer should be our first impulse, our last amen, and everything in between. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 Pray always. Pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? How do you pray all the time? Uh, perhaps some of you may recall that I have uh, used an illustration in the past of a compass. And um, nowadays you just kind of punch that into your digital uh, watch or your smartphone or whatever, you know. I bring up an app and I have a compass and it doesn't work quite the same way as, uh, you know, an analog compass. In fact, it works off satellites. It doesn't even pay any attention to the magnetism of the earth. So if they ever go down, guess what? We're all lost. <laughs> but um, if you have an analog compass, north is that way. But if you put a magnet over here to the east the needle is going to point to the magnet. Because the magnet you put against the compass is a great deal stronger than the, the sensitivity of that needle when it's looking for magnetic north. And so it's not going to point that way, it's going to point that way. But if you take the magnet away, that needle will swing back to north. You can go any direction and you can put a magnet over here toward the southwest and as soon as you take it away, that needle's going to go back to north. I believe that that's what Paul means when he says pray without ceasing. That, yes, during the course of a day, we have many things that we have to do. And if you're paying attention to your work, <laughs> you really can't multitask. Psychologists have finally proven that that's not possible. Um, people think they can, but really what they're doing is moving their attention from one thing to another. And sometimes they're not doing a very good job of it. You know, they, they get confused. But um, we are designed in such a way that when we're focused on one thing, we have to change our focus in order to move to something else. And the question for the believer is, when you're not otherwise occupied, where does your needle point? When there's not a magnet holding your attention, where does the needle go? And for the, for the believer who is confident of the significance of prayer, that needle goes back to communion with the Lord. 
It is our automatic response. When our minds are in idol, they're engaged with God. We are committed to Him. We are conversing with Him. And when we encounter difficulties, even in the occupancy of our minds, we instantly turn to God. Because that is our natural resource. We are, we are uh, cultivating a relationship so that God is, in a sense, beside us all the time. Do you have that awareness? Do you have that sense? You know, I, I sense God is right there always. Like, right there always. If I'm driving, if I'm working, if I'm working on a message or writing on the computer or reading a book or whatever, uh, even when I'm watching television, you know, sometimes I, I look at a program and I think, Lord, th- this is really wacky. You know, uh, it's like I'm having this conversation uh, with this unseen friend who is right there with me. And we can talk about things. Or sometimes I feel like he's pointing something out. Did you see that? Do you know what that means? So that there's that constant communion. We ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Secondly, we need to be persistent, passionate and relentless in pursuing God for the things that we believe he wants to accomplish. Prayer is not just simply throwing spitwads at the ceiling to see what sticks. Prayer is laying hold of God and being persistent and, and relentless in our pursuit of Him. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is is not particularly, and when I say not interested, you have to put this in context, God's always interested in you, but He's not particularly moved by a somewhat cavalier attitude. Well, I guess there's nothing else to do now but pray. God, could you help me out? That's not how we pray. We have to pray with confidence that God is going to respond to our intercession. However, praying in our own strength, praying by our own ability, is not going to accomplish anything. James puts it this way. He says, first of all, you don't have because you're prayerless. You don't have because you don't ask. If, if you're not in the business of talking to God and asking Him for the things that you desire, James says you're not going to get anything because you're not asking for anything. And then James refines the statement a little bit. He says when you do get around to asking, you don't get what you want because you ask with wrong motives that you can satisfy your own desires. That's your objective. You just want God to be this big Santa Claus in the sky that keeps dropping presents down your chimney, you know? And that's what you're looking for. And he says you don't, you don't have it because y- your motivation is all wrong. 
Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Heavenly Father, we revere, we, we glorify your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the first request in the Lord's Prayer, which is really not His prayer, but our model prayer. That's the first request. Lord, we want Your will to be done here, the way it is done in heaven. And so we are asking for Your accomplishments and Your desire. And so our prayer life to be effective must first of all be absorbed with the will of God. Now, I titled this morning's message, Spirit-Filled Praying, or subtitle, Praying in the Spirit. And I want to talk about that a little bit, because some people will get confused as to what that means. There's a lot, uh, there are a lot of statements in the uh, letters of the New Testament that deal with the subject of praying in the Spirit, and sometimes we have to just look and say, what is praying in the Spirit not like? First of all, praying in the Spirit is not praying in tongues. Um, some of you are new to the Christian Missionary Alliance. It may surprise you that our official position on all spiritual gifts and on tongues among them is seek not forbid not in other words jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever and whatever he did in the first century we believe he's still doing today and the holy spirit distributes gifts according to his own will among uh, among the people and we believe that he does give to some the gift of tongues or the interpretation of tongues. We also believe that if a person is going to speak in tongues in the assembly, there has to be an interpreter present who also has a supernatural spiritual gift of interpretation because the, the uh, message of tongues and the interpretation of tongues in its combination is in essence like prophecy. And then that prophecy is open to the analysis and assessment of the elders. We don't just swallow everything that happens gullibly. Uh, we believe that we are guided by the scriptures. So, that is not to say, therefore, that there is no such thing as a gift of tongues today. I believe there certainly is. And many people confuse praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. But that is not true. Praying in tongues, if it's of the Holy Spirit, is always praying in the Spirit. But the reverse is not true. Praying in the Spirit involves a lot of other methods, a lot of other things. So are you with me? Praying in tongues equals praying in the Spirit in, in terms of, of the Holy Spirit guiding it. But praying in the Spirit may involve a lot of things. And every believer can pray in the Spirit whether or not you have the gift of tongues. 
And that's very important to recognize because you're not left out of anything. By the way, the proof of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a gift anyway. It's not any gift. Uh, The proof of being filled with the Holy Spirit is fruit. Spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, temperance, gentleness, meekness, uh, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit that demonstrate His presence in our lives. So, we need to understand, first of all, that it is not praying in tongues. Secondly, praying in the Spirit is not expressing our own desires and wants, however, passionately. We're invited to make our needs and wants known to God. James says, cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. And I want to encourage you this morning in praying that you can come to God and ask Him for anything. I don't want to imply that this is such a complicated uh, experience and formula that you've got to get everything right before you can pray. Just start talking. Oftentimes, spirit-filled, empowered praying begins with a request that may even be way off base. Because we begin by communicating with God what's on our heart. You know, I have conversations with God, as I mentioned earlier, that don't ask for anything. They're just observations, or the Lord points something out, or whatever. But we're invited to come like an earthly father to come and ask him for whatever we want. You know, my boys are grown. One's 30, one's 34. They're grown. They still have absolutely no hesitancy to ask me for whatever they want. (laughs) It just kind of falls out, you know. I'm dad. And and they can come to me and they know. I, I mean, I give it to them. Actually, I'm pretty much of a pushover, but that's... That's another problem. But I, I may not give it to them, but the, but the fact is, they don't hesitate to ask because of the relationship. And friends, we're invited with our Heavenly Father to ask because of the relationship. We can put anything we want before Him. We can ask Him for anything, no matter... Uh, how ridiculous it sounds, no matter how silly, no matter how personal, no matter what it is, we can ask God for it. And oftentimes, Spirit-anointed praying begins with that request. If it's, if it's something you're really yearning for, as you talk to God about it, the process of refinement may begin. Why is it on your heart? It's got to be on your heart for a reason. What does God want to do with that? How does He want to lead you? What does He want to say to you about it? And as you begin to pray and and commune with God over this matter, whatever it is, God may reveal to you a scripture. He may point out 
where your motives are wrong, but your desires are right. He may use this to bring purification into your heart. He may direct you to refine the request more specifically. Sometimes we ask for things in such a nebulous way. I mean, if if uh, we were to divide up into circles, don't worry, I'm not going to do it. No, don't get nervous. But if we were going to divide up in little circles here this morning and, and say, I want all of you to pray and uh, let's let's pray for missionaries. How many people do you think would say, Lord, bless the missionaries? And how would you ever know if that prayer was answered? It's too general. What are you asking for? What does that look like? And when it happens, how will you know? See, that's kind of a non-prayer. I'm not saying it doesn't come from a good heart. I'm just saying it. you don't know what you're talking about. Did I say that? Yeah, I guess I did. Um, you're just talking. What missionary? Oh, now we're getting a little more specific. We're, we've got a person in mind. Where are they? What are they going through? What kind of things have they revealed in their prayer letter that they need? We have specific requests this morning. And so we need to pray for specific things for Dan and Kalinda. So there's needs. So now we have to fine-tune things and begin to get specific. Many times that's how God wants to lead us. We start out with something and God wants to fine-tune it until we are praying for a specific thing, for a specific person in a specific way. And when God answers that prayer, we will know it. We will see it. Because we have asked specifically, and not for our own desires, so much as your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. So what is spirit-filled praying? First of all, it is prayer that is guided by the Holy Spirit. He is directing it. It may be with the conscious mind, inspired by God. Paul says, and pray for me at all times in the Spirit and with this in view that boldness can be given to me that I might preach the gospel without fear. Ephesians 6, right toward the end, after spiritual warfare. He's been talking about spiritual warfare. Paul is in the midst of spiritual warfare. He's under attack. He says, pray for me in the Spirit for this specific thing that I will be bold in sharing Christ. Because it's costly. It's going to get me in trouble. I may lose my head. And I, I don't want to shrink away in fear or be timid. Pray for boldness. So it may be very clearly with the mind inspired by God. It may be without any words at all. Romans eight twenty six and 27 
says, but the Spirit Himself helps our weakness. Because we often don't know how to pray as we should. Do you know what that kind of prayer is like? You don't know what to say. You just ache. Your heart is burdened. It's yearning. You're wanting God to do something. But you don't even know how to express it. And you're groaning in His presence. That's uh, not a good method for group prayer, by the way. Um, I've heard people do that in in group prayer, and I'm not sure it's what Paul was talking about. You know, I I prayed with one fellow many years ago. Uh, We were colleagues in ministry, and I would be praying, and he would be going, Are you sick? Should I move? That's not what it meant. It means to, hello. (laughs) It means to be at a loss for words in the presence of God because the need is so deep. And when you are like that, the Holy Spirit himself prays for us with groanings and utterings too deep for words. A number of my friends who have the spiritual gift of tongues uh, pray uh, in tongues in their private devotions in these moments, but this is not talking about tongues either. I'm, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but this is talking about too deep for words in any language. It's just beyond me. But Lord, my heart aches. And I and I want, I want you to bring me to the place where I can put words to what's going on. But Holy Spirit, intercede here, please, because I don't know what to ask. It may come out of Scripture, guided by the Holy Spirit. First um, John five fourteen says, and if we know. Uh, that we are asking according to His will, we know that we have the things for which we ask. Do you pray Scripture? You know, you can you can pray for someone, and God will reveal Scripture to you very clearly. Or your prayer may arise out of the Scripture. Oh, so and so needs that. I'm going to pray this for them. Or as you're waiting on God for an answer, He brings to you a scripture mind, a scripture passage to your mind. It could be with the spiritual gift of another language. Prayer in accordance with the revealed will of God, guided by the Spirit, and boldly ask in the name of Jesus, is Spirit-filled praying. Do you know that six or seven times between John 14 and John 16... Jesus says this, whatever you ask in my name will be done. And we think, so I will end my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. And that's the, that's the stamp of approval. It's the good housekeeping seal of prayer. I've got it. No. Praying in Jesus' name, you may not even say in Jesus' name. 
but you come to the Father in His authority. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. And the word there is, is rhema. The, the revealed word that I give you abides in you. Ask what you will, and it will be done. When we pray, do we have confidence that God's going to answer? Spirit-filled praying is prayer that comes to confident terms with God. I now know the mind of Christ regarding this matter. Jesus, before the tomb of Lazarus, put it this way. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. In fact, I thank you that, you've all, that you always hear me. <laughs> when did he pray? I didn't see him praying. He prayed when he first got word. In another town that Lazarus was sick and he waited to go. And the disciple says, let's go. Our friend Lazarus is sick. And Jesus said, no, we're not going to wait a while. We're going to wait a while because Lazarus is sleeping. And they said, oh, well, if he's sleeping, he's getting better. He'll be fine. And Jesus is like, no, no, he's dead. And we'll get there soon enough. Can you imagine those poor disciples following him around? I mean, don't you just know every day was like, now what? But when he got there, he had already had the conversation with the Father. And when he got there, he knew what the Father wanted to do. And he stood in front of the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. Come out of there. Because he already knew what the Father was going to do. Spirit-filled praying takes time. takes waiting on God. It takes seeking the will and mind of God. And looking for what he wants to accomplish. But friends, God wants to answer prayer.